Welcome into the Nebraska 24-7 podcast. The full team is back together. The strong silence of Michael Brunts joins the talkative Mike Schaefer and the opinionative Brian Christofferson. Is that even a word? Opinionated? I made up a word. Whatever. Opinionative, I think, is what you went with. I think opinionated is what you were looking for. Yeah, something in that realm. I am i don't know. It's all right. Like this is my job. It's okay. Bruns looks well-rested, and he's got pretty fresh haircut, it appears. He jumped in quickly, too. I mean, he's... Well, I listened to two minutes of last week's podcast. Most of it... That's all you gave us. Surrounding um, my... My co-worker. My quiet, my quiet approach to the podcast and my disapproval The disapproval target of audience of our podcast is, is someone like you. <laughs> and you didn't even make it to the five-minute mark. I, I made it to the end. Where BC kind of gave you guys a little back. You got the you got the director's cut version. Did you keep that on there? I I I cut it out. I almost left it, but I didn't. I uh, basically applauded us on a very good podcast. You're like, yeah, that that was pretty good. (laughs) Yeah, I thought it was good job, us. (laughs) Nobody else said that, but it's good for us and our moms to believe in us. Well, your yours. My my mom. (laughs) Yeah, that's my mom's never listened. She doesn't know what a podcast is. Touchy subject. She's probably scared of it. (laughs) uh anyways what uh what has brunts missed what do we need to catch up on yeah what have have i been missing i don't know did besides the entire podcast well you went to maui right i did did you do you did like a young like a young george hamilton um (laughs) no no snorkeling what was like the most exciting thing you did I, i sat on the beach a lot i drank some beer i uh Saw some. I, I looked from afar at at, at volcano-looking things, not the one that's like currently exploding. But um, what was that? I saw the Twins game for BC on in the background of oh. my computer, and uh, it's gen- currently three to one. If you were wondering, Tigers are up. Yep. Generally ignored everything <laughs> that had to do with football for a week. It was kind of nice, but I, I'm back and dialed in and tanned. And well, are you caught up? Uh, I, I was told that, um, a couple people left the team. Uh, Scott Frost is apparently somewhere in the Grand Canyon. Is that true? At the mouth of the Colorado River, where ESPN's Marty Smith found him. Doing what? I have no idea. Uh, he's with, he's with some guy who apparently does a lot of serious training for different programs in the country. He was a friend of his. Okay. In, I, in the Grand Canyon? I guess. I don't... That one's gonna have is to. Is this be, a vision quest? It's gonna have to be cleared up with when this airs. I don't know. This feels exactly like a vision quest. Yeah. Um, it, it was interesting looking. I'm trying to think if there's anything else. Uh, well, I know that Nebraska baseball is not in the Big Ten baseball tournament, as I am not there currently. It kind of freed up my week a little bit. Um, you could have stayed in Hawaii. I I could have. I would have. You should have. I should have. Uh, but that's all. So. What's but, the best ooh. restaurant you ate at? Uh, Applebee's, Chili's. They, I saw TGI Fridays there. <laughs> there was a Ruby Tuesday too. Um, <laughs> they just served spam burgers. Is that what that is there? In a kicking salad bar, probably. Yeah. I think. Um, I, I, they have like a, a flatbread pizza place that's kind of known. Um, in, in one of the upcountry towns that I ate at, twice. <laughs> This is a very touristy answer, and I was on the other island when I went to Hawaii, but Duke's is, you know, kind of known out there. 
And I, that was one of the best pieces of fish I've ever had. And I know that's a real touristy thing to say, but I don't care. It was one of the best meals I ever I mean, you're had. You're a tourist. That's the thing I don't get. Like, everybody knocks on touristy stuff. Like, you're a tourist. You're not a local. Yeah. Like, if you Fair. go somewhere, you don't belong there. You go and do the things that tourists do because mm-hmm. you don't live there. It was so, yeah, you got to eat some good fish. Dukes. Were you in, in Honolulu for Dukes? Is that yeah. what it was? Yeah. I think there's one in Maui, too. Duke is the famous guy out there. Gotcha. He was like an Olympian or something. You don't even know the great. Service. You didn't even bother to there's learn the full history. There's a big statue of it. I took a picture next to him, but you know, there, there's only so much you can cram into this brain, this small brain. And I decided that that was not how was the likeness. I need to know who the third string center is, so I, I can't have room for what like the Duke's background is in Hawaii. Ah, uh, that's true. That's true. Well. Let's let's just move into what's important, and that's that Nebraska has two less people on their roster, and one that we talked pretty glowingly about last week. <laughs> that uh, did, you, did you guys talk him up? Was he a key to the oh, season? Oh, we did. <laughs> he would have been pretty high on my uh, pending most in, indispensable Huskers list. So, top five. Ooh, is um, the season lost now? Top ten. Okay. I mean, I. I've said it before. I thought he was the most important lineman outside of Brendan Hymas because of depth and what he could do at his position. So I, I think it's a big loss for Nebraska. I'll be curious how they filled it. Michael Decker, that is. I don't know if we ever said his name. Yeah. <laughs> I'm assuming. Yeah. I, I, did I not? Maybe I did. I don't know. We'll go back and listen. Um, yeah, so Michael Decker, the center, no longer with Nebraska, retired from football, essentially going to finish out a collegiate career at Nebraska with other Aims and goals. What they do at center is going to be fascinating um, because there's there's different options and there's different benefits to all of those options. There are different drawbacks. You've got the one that makes the most sense to me, which is probably sliding Tanner Farmer over to the center spot. But the argument against that is then you open up your guard position do you have somebody that you feel comfortable stepping in right away to play guard if Farmer plays center? I think Farmer at center makes the most sense because he's the most athletic. He's got a bunch of starts under him. I think he can handle the position. He played it at times in high school. Originally thought he was going to be a center when he came to Nebraska. So I I think that his mentality and his athleticism gives you the best chance to get through this season with a temporary you know one-year fix. They want to look long-term. They really liked Hunter Miller this spring. He had moments. He also struggled at times. I mean, he got beat in some of those scrimmages repeatedly, gave up sacks. Uh, and, and that's part of the growing pain of a guy that was a walk-on that's just a, a redshirt freshman. Yeah. But they, they think highly enough of him that he was in that mix and that he got a lot of those reps and the opportunity to, to play. Um, so Hunter Miller, to me, seems like he'd be option number two two maybe Cole Conrad's option number two I I just think if you're gonna go with Cole Conrad starting it makes more sense to me you put him at right guard and you move Farmer to center because I I don't know if Conrad got better enough from what his issues were last season to going through the spring well he was hurt most of the spring too right yeah he was so he only practiced the last couple weeks right right so I mean the that was kind of always in my mind, at least, was the caveat with the the Hunter Miller talk, and I'm sure he had a great spring, but you know, 
they had to play somebody there. Right. I mean, so somebody had to snap the ball, um, and it wasn't going to be Decker or Conrad for most of the spring. So, I mean, it was that's why you had Will Farniak getting second-team reps for most of the spring, and I'm sure he grew from it. But, I mean, we've talked about how, you know, there, there seemed to be a lot of question marks about the offensive line when Scott Frost took over, but there, there really there wasn't a ton of mystery there. Like you knew that it was probably going to be Decker at center, assuming they continue to play, um, and that the rest of the defensive or the offensive positions were pretty much set. I mean, I I, I agree. I mean, I don't know that there's going to be a ton of mystery there either. It's I, I think Farmer at center is your best option. Bo Wilson is your your right guard. I think that's your best five. I mean, yeah, the the thing of it is Wilson didn't spend a lot of time with the twos in the spring. And so it's kind of interesting to me. He was the guy that went in there when Farmer played center in the spring game, though. Right, right. I mean, it's just going to be interesting to me how that all plays out. And Bo Wilson's like that guy that fans have been hearing his name forever and have been clamoring for him to play. And this seems like this would be the opportunity where that happens. But I wouldn't be surprised if it's somebody else in that spot. Uh, just because it seems like they've moved enough things around or he hasn't gotten quite the opportunity there um, that you would expect. Yeah, here's where you really see if guys can play. I mean, because I got a lot of this on social media after the news. It's like, well, Bo Wilson or John R- John Raritan should play. Like, I had people, it's like, how do we know that? Like, right. we don't know that. You, you, you've read stories about him, and you like what you read. Two or three. Years you liked ago, what he was ranked. Two or three years yeah. ago, and now you're saying he should play just because you don't. There's no. There's no backing to those opinions. So, you know, the only guy really, well, coaches, a few coaches know, but Greg Austin's really the guy who knows where he ranks guys right now, and he's probably got to figure it out. It's a different ball game in fall camp too. Like when you get to August and the season is three weeks away, you start to really see okay who can who can play because you the pressure kind of builds you kind of sense okay the season's upon us so i think there's still a lot up in the air as they head into fall camp there yeah do you any chance that nebraska goes after a grad transfer offensive lineman brunt says no well he doesn't actually say it he does the brunt's move of not (laughs) saying anything i don't think so i mean i I think steely silence i would see other erupted i would see other places on the on the roster that you'd go after a grad transfer before you go after a guard like quarterback no (laughs) (laughs) cornerback cornerback yes uh i think for sure i mean maybe if you find the right guy but i I just i don't think that you know i I think nebraska's got enough options especially at the interior positions where you can find somebody that can you know stand in front of a guy block him for a few minutes or a few seconds like you would think, That's, you would hope. It seems very simplistic of, of the offensive line there. You're not giving them enough complexity. Well, I, I think, too, though, that the the thing you run into with grad transfers, too, is, is very rarely do those guys plug in and make, like, a huge impact. I mean, it, it helps you with competition, but I don't feel like that's an area where Nebraska's, like, really begging for, for guys to get in the mix. Like, I, I think they've got bodies, and I think they've got – guys that were all very highly recruited and capable football players, but I, I think you could make the case that you'd probably need a, a grad transfer corner first before you'd need a guard or, or so, even a kicker. 
So do you see this as a big storyline going into fall camp, a medium storyline, or a non-storyline? I mean, it's it's a loss. I think it's a big loss because I think Michael Decker was far and away your best option at center. I think Nebraska's you know gotten along okay with subpar center play because they we've talked about this. That they haven't had good center play in a long time. Jake Hickman, is he the last? That's one? the last the good last guy. I you could you could Justin Jackson's one year he was good. Yeah. Um, the eight, Cap- eight or nine Caputo games. was okay. Uh, Hickman was the last like multi-year really good starter, and he also retired from football. Like I, I think you need you need to find somebody that fits well there. I think they've got the options along the line to do that. I think that Tanner Farmer is your best option to go over there and do it. And I don't think you're really upsetting two positions by doing that. But I'd say it's a medium story. I think it's something to watch, but I think they've got bodies and options there. The reason I like Tanner Farmer is because he's a senior. He's played a lot of games, and I think it's one of the toughest jobs on the team this year. I mean, you're talking about not only all the stuff a center naturally has to have in his brain between snaps and how quickly he has to process stuff. Now you're talking about doing it in an offense that wants to play faster than you played a season ago. And, I mean, even small stuff like getting the snap right to the quarterback and all this. and Oh, that is no small thing as we have seen yeah. with Ryan Reeves and with the other centers during um, Bo Pelini's tenure when they were trying to run a quicker-paced offense. It throws your whole thing off. So I think I like his experience there. I think Cole Conrad's the wild card of that group where he's going to have to play some key snaps at some point somewhere. I don't know where it is because somebody's going to get injured, and I feel like he's that guy who can play center guard or tackle. And so at some point he's going to have to step up and be important in his senior year. Um, the line is it's kind of scary when you look at it. Like I don't, I, I don't feel comfortable with that group really. And – and yet, I'm curious to see if the tempo actually helps them, if they can get in the type of condition to play it where they don't see everything that defenses have to offer because defenses don't have time in between plays to, to throw the kitchen sink at you. And I, I, Scott Frost has alluded to this. That tempo can sometimes disguise some things for you or mask some flaws probably in your O-line. Well, and... and- you know, along that point, that tempo and where they look to attack teams on the sidelines means you don't necessarily have to go up the middle in the mm-hmm. way that they were trying to do the last couple of years. Uh, and if you're using that speed and misdirection and run pass option plays, you can get away with, you know, they, they weren't beating Auburn up the middle. They, they didn't win that game because the center point of that line played well. They won the game because their skill position players – we're able to make plays on the outside of the numbers and, and everything else. So it, it I, I, I definitely agree with you that there's, there's some fear. I, I think it's a bigger, I think it's probably one of the biggest storylines that they're going to have aside from who's going to be the quarterback uh, in part because just bad center play can really wreck things for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and, it's it's unfair to judge Cole Conrad off of last year and last year alone, but he would have to make significant strides athletically, and he would have to make significant strides in snapping uh, for people to, I think, really feel good about that if he was the guy. 
I think it'd be more likely that he's your right guard than anything else. So if you were to take a guess at the starting group, you would go from left to right. I would, I would go Hymas Foster, obvious. I'd go Farmer Center. I guess I'll go Bo Wilson right guard, but I think that's up in the air. And then Farniak, Matt Farniak at right tackle. Yeah, and if the, you know if this was a team that had tackle depth, you'd slide Farniak into where ultimately you might end up playing at right guard anyways. But you don't have that right tackle, and that, so the right side's got a lot to answer. I mean, yeah. the right guard could be somebody new, and the right tackle is a guy who has potential but really struggled last year and is maybe a little out of position there as well yeah is gerald foster an option at center well he he got some snaps he did the spring there could be does that change the does that change anything though you're still replacing a guard but what i'm saying is uh, yeah it doesn't change a lot but i mean if you know you're talking about center being so important i mean You've got another guy in that line that's snapped a little bit too. And, I mean, not saying that's your, your fix, but, I mean, that might, might be an option you at least kick around a little bit. I'm sure they're definitely going to see what he can do. Uh, there's, I have a little, little question about that. Well, move from one departure to another. Who else left? Andrew Ward. Remember him? Linebacker from Muskegon, Michigan. Notable for committing on Christmas. We talked on Christmas morning, he and I. Ruining Christmases everywhere for recruiting writers. Not really. I didn't get a hold of him. Here's here's the here's what I'll say <laughs> Still about a little Andrew. bitter. Here's what I'll say about Andrew Ward that I appreciated. He was really tough to get a hold of during the recruiting process. Always one word answers via text. Tell you what, he commits on Christmas morning. Cold call. He picked right up and gave me a great seven minute interview. Like yeah. And I'm not saying that to rub it in your face a little bit, but not one of the really. best interviews I've ever had. <laughs> but as far as Christmas morning commitments and interviews go, that one went about as smoothly as I thought it could have. So I, I'll always appreciate Andrew Ward for picking up, even if, even if he probably didn't want to. Yeah, well, it sounds uh, sounds like he's going to have an opportunity to to go elsewhere. I'm not sure if he'll go the junior college route to get a little bit of film and reset the recruitment um he's a guy that i always sort of wondered in the three four how and where he fit uh i don't i don't look at him as an inside linebacker the same way that i do a dedrick young or a will honus i don't think he's as physical or physically impressive yet he was going to need more time as it was anyways but i'll be curious you know where he ends up going i know there were some people that were very high on him, including Trent Bray. And so um, would not shock me if he were to potentially transfer to, to a place like Oregon State. Question, how concerned should we be about depth at inside linebacker now? Well, they've got the top three still. And then you have, you know, Avery Roberts and Jacob Winemaster. Avery Roberts, who has challenged quite a bit by – Barrett Rude during yep. the spring to, to up things. And uh, Willie Jake, Hampton. Jake Winemaster, who has is, 19 is, sacks. Could, could help. Is probably going to have to help, but is he ready to help? I don't think it's as big a concern as some other spots, unless... There's still Willie Hampton. If, Willie Hampton, who has a ton of potential, but isn't in a yeah, place where he's going to help him this, this year, I don't year. think. No. Um, I mean, it's all a health thing. If If... if 
if somebody goes down, it gets a little scary in a hurry. But right now, if Will Honus has a really productive summer and fall camp, I think you feel pretty good about three guys at two spots. Uh, Mo Berry, I think, has had a good off season, and you know motivation's never a problem with him. He's just—I mean—he's just, I mean, just got to prove that he can be that type of next level player in college football, and you don't know that yet. Uh, Dedrick Young, I know he's got his critics, and I understand the criticisms of him. Um, he's had a career a lot of people wish they had had at Nebraska. Three-year starter. Yeah, he's a three-year starter. has 200 tackles, and it's kind of amazing. I mean, I know somebody's got to play out there, and he happened to be – some people would just say, well, they haven't had much. But he, he – I mean, when he was a recruit, I remember thinking he was a pretty special player. Do you know he might hold a very – fascinating distinction that nobody else probably has since the 50s what's that which would be the most losses in a career yeah because unfortunately he was part of two losing seasons uh plus the end of 2016 he's looking at 19 losses already on the ledger so he's got good and bad stats i guess you could say i mean you know you know (laughs) your your inside linebackers aren't quantified by the but that's a weird distinction. Like, that's probably the most losses of any starter. Yeah. I'm trying, I mean, to, think of, I'm trying to think if somebody came in and, like, in 04 was their first year. Four, five. Potter? Six and seven. But I, I'm talking they'd have to have started all four of those years. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah. there's guys that would have the same amount of losses but redshirted, whereas Young, you know, didn't. Um, this is a very weird thing to discuss because it's an inside linebacker but you should ask him about that in fall camp i'm sure you would give a very long and eloquent answer i wrote this in the musings but he's like 85 tackles from being third all time on nebraska's that's amazing <laughs> but which would 85 very... be a new career high for him yeah because he's been in the he 60s had... mostly right well he had 80 last year okay so it's it's it, that's within reach, but that stats that, department will look that up. I think he had eighty last year. You want to double check me? Well, we didn't have a stats I know it was, when he was chaos. From what I understand, we just fly by the seat of our pants. There, there was a moment where we were waiting for the stats department to fill us in on something, and we, it was just dead air. I think we said that Bob Devaney coached in the forties. We did. We <laughs> we were wrong on that. <laughs> we needed somebody to check that. I'm, I just wrote it this week, so if I if I missed it, I just flat missed it because I wrote that he had 80 tackles. I'm almost sure of it, but no, he did. He okay. had 80 last year. Yeah, I like I like their group, all right. And I think Barrett Root. I think they've really kind of taken to working with him. I always thought Trent Bray was a pretty good coach in his own right, but uh, those guys respect that that Barrett played here and played in the NFL. And I, I think it, it means something when he tells them something. So, yep. so you're not concerned at all. It's a non-factor. He's at 201 career tackles. I, I would say this about inside linebacker in Nebraska. And I've thought this for a long time. They really need that position to become one where sort of like I'd say about the O line, where you want to start seeing a person every year. That's like at least second team all conference. If they're a great team again, they've got to have a guy who, like, every year is on that list. You know, at the in December when the Big Ten Network does their thing, some so-and-so pops up and he's at least second or third team. Linebacker. Yep. 
and they haven't had it. If you look back, it's Randy Gregory. Would he be the last one technically? If you were going to count him as a linebacker, he's, yeah. And well, I, they'd be David, right? If I yeah, and if you think inside, it would be oh. Barrett Rude. Was it Will Compton? Was probably on some list, wasn't he? He might have been. Think about Wisconsin drafted free agent careers in Nebraska history. There's a lot of those going on right now. It is impressive. We when, don't have to get into that. When I think about impressive. differences that have separate many of the differences that have separated Wisconsin and Nebraska in recent years, though, I think about toughness in the middle of their defense. Like I always think of Wisconsin as having some guys, whether they're the fastest or not, they're just kind of, they're trouble. I mean, they're, they're all over the place. Whether it's Chris Borland or whoever, they've had a. It feels like they've been rotating there and putting a pretty good guy. Right in the center there. Who has all of the same traits and ability. It's like he never changes. It's it's like a a cloning linebackers. And they're always guys you look at in May or June. You're like, yeah, he's okay, I guess. And then you watch him play like a game where he has like 16 tackles against Iowa or something. And you're like, yeah, Nebraska needs something like that. It's just those two positions. It's funny. I I was looking at uh, Athlon's preseason big all big 10 list way too early uh but good for conversation this time of year wisconsin's got four of the top five linemen in the conference all first team guys they might have three first round picks on that offensive line yeah and michigan who nebraska will also see that here's your your breakdown of the front four that that nebraska's offensive line is going to face ohio state has two on the list Michigan has two on the list, both interior guys, uh, including two of the first-team linebackers. The other first-team linebackers, T.J. Edwards for Wisconsin. So I, uh, I I might go back and say that that center position is probably pretty important. <laughs> However, I think they got guys. Just think of it this way. Those interior guys, they're going to try to run away from them. They're, they're going to be stunting to the they're outside. They're going to the other side. Yeah, yeah. that's, that's – uh, you just got Bosa coming around the corner at you. Yeah, that one. That one's going to be tricky. That one's going to be tricky. All right. Um, anything else we want to get to team-wise? Anything that uh, Not team-wise. I mean, I guess we could hit it quick. Bill Moose, you know, had some thoughts to say on his appearance on the radio show on Husker Sports Network. and Yeah, what Bill say? He's been kind of busy the last week firing coaches. and yeah. Um, you know, there was a shakeup that, that he made that I, I think connects to football pretty heavily. They're changing two spots at the top of their nutrition department. And he talk about that at all? A little bit. He just, he just basically the gist of it was he just felt there was a little bit of a disconnect there between strength and conditioning and that part of it. And one thing we've heard from players is that this Zach Duvall and that bunch has really stressed the nutritional side of it more than they had in the past. And I mean, anybody like myself who works out the way I do, as you can tell, knows that you can negate all those gains you make from that hour in the gym or 27 minutes in the gym that I spend. <laughs> if you're not, if you're not supplying that your body specific. with the right fuel, you know, so there, so is it 22 on the treadmill and five minute cool down? <laughs> or is that, it's like a lot of like 18 minutes on the phone, <laughs> seven minutes lifting two walking to the water. I like to imagine you as a guy who wants to get the dual workout thing going. So you're on the treadmill while also 
like carrying weight so you can get both things going there? I don't really do the treadmill much. It's 25 minutes of Stairmaster? strength and conditioning and five minutes of flexing. <laughs> kind of looking Getting that Snapchat right. I go. You There's guys, no way you have Snapchat, right? No. Okay. You guys can always reach me at 11.30 to 12.30 at night because that's where I'm at is getting is working out. You are going to say getting swole. I was not going to say that. <laughs> that was not in my brain at all. You have Snapchat though, right? Uh, I'm apparently on it. I don't know how it works or you know, how one, to snap. So one person on the podcast does. Yeah. That's good. You Snapchat? No. Not at all. I... Mm. I assume that this is something that BC would be. Oh, into. why would you assume that? You when you Sending went to, gym selfies. When we went to an airport with me the other day, I uh, I had my boarding pass. Bruns had to show me for like five minutes, like how to get oh, my God. boarding pass on my phone. I just assume Snapchat's easier to use than that. I just I like stuff hard copy. Like I like the old school. Like go to the airport, print out your boarding pass. You can't kick me off this plane. Look what I got. So who's doing the videos when you're pumping iron so people know the gains that you're making? It's got a little tripod. If you oh. guys want to come in sometime and do that, you can. Can we do a podcast from your gym sometime? <laughs> that would probably get a decent amount of traffic just right. for people laughing at what we're doing. I like it. Uh, Bill Boos, though. Yeah, the Moose. <laughs> the Moose man. What, he did, what happened? We got off topic. Um, well, you talked about, uh, the Black Friday. I know this is a big concern of Schaefer's. I could tell, like, are they going to keep playing on Black Friday? They are. They're going to play Minnesota. Thank God. Those, those two years went in 2020 and 2021 on Black Friday. I thought the biggest, most interesting thing, and I wrote about it the other day, was he kind of teased that there's some big scheduling news coming out, and I assume it's the Big Ten schedules for 2020. Did you jump to conclusions on that? I did not jump to conclusions. Some did. Um, I never got the impression that they were moving from nine to eight games off of what he said, but what I... what Very he, specific conclusions there. What he, what he said really suggested that he's tired of the crossover games basically matching up. Um, you know, Nebraska's played Ohio State from 2016... To 2021 and i didn't even realize this this was probably it hasn't been publicized that much but i didn't realize that for instance iowa was playing penn state yeah i didn't know that so the that had somehow gone over my head so when their future that. schedules came out people were all trying to figure out why nebraska kept playing ohio state and then you looked and you could see like where this yeah. all lined up so it's wisconsin and michigan nebraska and ohio state penn state and iowa Trying to remember Minnesota, Michigan State, or Northwestern, Michigan State, um, might be Minnesota and Maryland. Like it's just a weird mismatch of it. Yeah, and it gets to be a little much. I know that people, it's easy to be the the big man and say, "Oh, to take on anybody, you know, anytime, any place." But I can also understand if you're a coach and you're trying to, your goal is to get to Indianapolis and you want a fair fight. Like you want those crossover games. Like Purdue should have, in essence, the same basic type of journey to get to Indianapolis that Nebraska has. And at this point, Nebraska is in about the same spot as Purdue. So let's play football. Let's play football. Yeah. 
I, I'm not a big fan of the, I guess you'd call I it. I thought he was going to say Jeff Brom. <laughs> I thought he was going to throw love, the microphone down like, and challenge him to a fight I right here Jeff in the studio. Brom. But parody-based scheduling, I'm not, like, giant on. I think it should be equal scheduling, um, not based off past results and s- settled as you might. That's really hard to do, though. Well, year to, yes, it is. In a given year, somebody's going to have a tougher one. What I'm saying is there are certain teams that year after year are routinely having tougher obstacle courses, I think, than others. And I think Nebraska has a fair claim there, and I think that's what Bill Moose is getting at. I mean, when you're playing Ohio State, the best team in the league every year for six years, you are automatically – especially if you're in the state Nebraska is right now, you're kind of putting yourself a game behind the competition in the yeah. race to Indianapolis right off the bat if they're not playing Ohio State. You know? Yeah. I, I, I definitely I can understand that. I think that if they brought the amount of years that this crossover continues, because it's it six or eight times. Um, so they brought that down to just four. That might help some. Yeah. And even if you spread it out, so if you did two and two, and then you had another, your next set, two and two. So it's just, I mean, some of it is just that they play so many of these in a row that it does make it more difficult in that way. And I don't think Bill Moose's complaint was necessarily just about Nebraska. I think he was saying everybody, all the power hitters in the Big Ten are perceived power hitters. They're hurting themselves by knocking each other around in October, November. Now, I don't know. You could get in the data and debate that topic for a while. Um, but it's it's an interesting conversation. So I th- when those schedules come out, the short of it is, I think Nebraska fans, as they always do, you're going to want to look at those crossover games right away, see who they replaced Ohio State with, basically. Nebraska goes to Maryland next year. Is that right? They go to Maryland next year, and then like they've, they'll have played Indiana twice. Since they've yep. been in the Big Ten. They after, get Maryland and Indiana. Next year's schedule opens up for Nebraska a little. Um, it's the one year from – there's a five-year stretch to 2021 where Nebraska plays at least two games every year against either Penn State, Michigan, or Ohio State. And next year's the one year they only play one, and that's Ohio State. So next year's record should not count because it's going to be fake compared to the other years is how <laughs> I'm taking It's going to be Nebraska's 13-5 and five version of football well the the riley 2016 squad i think you saw catch a big break with the way that schedule was i mean they in a way they still had wisconsin and ohio state back to back um but the opening of that schedule certainly allowed for but they only had ohio state was really the only crossover game that was uh yeah a problem the other two were well indiana was an okay team but well people talked about indiana as if they were like the 1996 indianapolis colts they did well it was a lot closer game had it not been for that signature tommy play so (laughs) or the pause to acknowledge the joke the the fumble that didn't happen with terrell newby Yes, that was close. Yeah. To fill in, I think you can explain that story now. After the game, of course, it was a play where Tom, he was kind of rolling to his left and just threw it up for grabs, really. And Stanley comes back, and three Indiana players collide like yeah. the Keystone Cops. <laughs> and Stanley Morgan scores a 70-yard touchdown. And after the game, Danny Langsdorf said it was what you would call, I guess, a signature Tommy play. And he kind of looked around at all of us, wouldn't you say? Like, you got it, right? It yeah. wasn't like a 
So it wasn't my idea to have him throw that ball, but yeah, kind of had to be there maybe. Oh, it it works. <laughs> it works for me. So that was some moose and non-conference scheduling. He talked about that too. He liked some big eight teams, but in a way it's kind of a moot point. It's a fun topic, but. Okay. Who do you guys want to see? Who, who's your big eight, even though it's a moot point? Kansas State. Just so you can go down there, cover the game and be in your bed that night. Don't hate that. Yeah. Um, no, part of it is that Bill Snyder's still there. Part of it is... You want to hear I, this for four quarters? <laughs> uh, wow. In 2010, I didn't hear a whole lot of that. That was the last time they played, and that was maybe the last time Nebraska football looked at its apex. You want to you want to interview so, Taylor Martinez sitting at a school desk again? Yeah, that was uh, that was an incredible performance that night. Um, no, the reason that it's Kansas State for me is that growing up when I did, Kansas State more so than any other team, was kind of the closest to Nebraska. Um, Colorado as well. I mean, those two teams, Oklahoma didn't factor into anything until I was a little bit older. But, you know, sort of the first grade through like sixth or seventh, it was Kansas State and Colorado were the big games. They're playing Colorado for the next two. Kansas State would be the one that I would most want to see. They got Oklahoma – on the schedule. I mean, you knock those out, and then it's basically Missouri. And to me, you've knocked out all of the games that really kind of matter in terms of playing the old Big 8 teams. So you grew, you grew up every night going to bed as a little boy in Columbus staring up at your ceiling, just every night hating Chad May? <laughs> a little bit. Nobody likes Chad May. Just saying. Who is yours, Brown? I, I think Okie State. I think that'd be a fun game. That would be fun. If you, if you paired... You get Nebraska's offense clicking a little bit under Scott Frost. You go down there into, into Stillwater. I think that'd be kind of a, a fun game to cover. 72-49 to 49 game. Sort of like the, uh, well, that was 2010, right? Yeah. 51-41 game. Yep. Martinez yeah. threw for like 350. That was one of his better games, too. He was really good that game. It's the Taylor Martinez 2010 Nostalgia Tour. The yeah. Tribute. Which, this isn't a, big a freshman team. named Martinez. I don't know. It's not a big eight team, but it's close enough. I would like Arkansas, maybe like as sort of a strange wild card. Um, you gonna do a pig suey noise for him? I got nothing. Arkansas, LSU would be kind of a dream. Just cause I've always wanted to watch a game there and haven't. And I think Nebraska LSU would be fun. They used to play back in the day. They played in the 70s some. Um, had a few matchups. So that would be a good one to me. I think Colorado is a great one. Yeah, um, be fun. They have four games scheduled with them. And obviously this year, uh, over the next four games over the next six or seven seasons. I like the fact that finally you get to go out to Boulder in like September when it's beautiful. And I just think that's going to be a good trip. People will pee on your car when it's warmer. Yeah, yeah. it's kind of, it's kind of. How there's so, some romanticism. They just have to throw to batteries it. instead of wrapping them in, or putting them in snowballs. How high does Texas rank for you guys? Is that a matchup you'd want to see at this point? Uh, I mean, it would be. It would definitely. It's my move, number two, probably. It moved the needle. I. I mean, you joked with me about about Lubbock, but I actually wouldn't mind a trip to to North Texas. I thought you hated. Oh, it's awful. Or is it is it Waco? Oh, Waco's Waco is far worse than. Well, Lubbock. yeah. I mean, I, Waco is a terrible, terrible place. But I guess I couldn't remember which one. 
you considered to be like just the worst road trip experience the, well, you had. The, the novelty of driving to Lubbock is always kind of fun. Um, the last four hours on that trip to Waco. Chances are you wouldn't be driving in 20-whatever. Eh, you never know. I'm just going to jump in the car <laughs> on Wednesday. Waco, the, the last time I went there, that was Cody Green's start. Well, they got a new stadium now. It's like a totally yeah. different place. Yeah. Oh, it's still crappy Waco. Well, we I mean, for three hours it would be fun. We stayed in Austin, and I spent – smart. It was Halloween – and we spent the night before on 6th Street on Halloween, which was an incredible experience. Quite a notable Halloween that year. Yeah. And then the next day, you're in Waco, Texas, and it's just like the complete opposite. And I remember we pulled right up to the stadium mm-hmm. like it was a high school game. And the guy's like just kind of directing us in, parking us on the grass, and we walk like 35 feet to the gate. And we're inside this little stadium where about 15,000 people probably watch the game, and half of them are Husker fans. And it was a terrible game. I remember that. <laughs> there were very notable things that happened in that game, though. Is Cody Green's only start, I think. They blocked a punt. I remember Nebraska blocked a punt. And Justin Blatchford, I think, yeah. returned it for a touchdown. Jared Crick had five and a half sacks in that game. Uh, Sue didn't get a penalty or did get a penalty – for one of just the roughest throwdown threw sacks. A guy. He threw a guy in the air. <laughs> Sue was not happy after the game. Yeah. And then, of course, there was an incident that happened in Lincoln right. that night, which who, who's to say exactly what happened, but <laughs> it was an evasive there, maneuver. There was a, a cat lived that night. That's what happened. It was an evasive maneuver. But the, 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 game, the last time I covered a game at Baylor was in 05, and I just remember they, they had the live bear out there during the game. And I just remember how like sad that can't still be a thing, right? How sad that bear looked. Yeah, they can't still have a live bear as a mascot, right? It's it's like on campus, or it was. Is this like a medieval circus? No, there was like a bear enclosure. I'm, I'm sure they <laughs> bear enclosure. They had like a bear enclosure in the middle of campus. You just don't want to say cage. I'm sure that they probably. <laughs> but it wasn't a cage. It was like a. It was like a. It was the closest. Bamboo hut. Did they have water? Like, it was like the clo- Yeah, there was like some water. I'm like sure they creek. probably fed it like Dr. Pepper because that's the only <laughs> thing you can get down there. And it just looked sad. And then they brought yeah, it. Yeah, it's a cage bear. They brought it to the field and it just kind of sat there like, why am I having to watch three hours of this? So I would prefer Lubbock over sad bear enclosure <laughs> if I had to do it again. But o- Oakey State would be one that I would I would get. Uh, that They'd get the Still needle on we took a long way around to the finish of that. Thing. Yeah, Oklahoma State's uh, stadium is kind of cool, but it feels like it's almost like a basketball arena to me. It feel like it feels like it's so enclosed, like it's tight up against the field, and it just has this. It almost isn't like a football stadium. It can fit a lot of people now. Yeah, they've got a nice little uh, like Hall of Fame thing there now too. I got a off that was one off of, hours tour. Of that it. was one of. Bo Pelini's best wins as Nebraska's coach when you actually look at what Oklahoma State. I think they only lost like two games that year, Okie State. And then Justin Blackman, kind of a freak. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Prince and. Brandon Whedon was the quarterback. Prince and Denard had a rough time in the first half on him. Like Blackman lit him up. Well, I think the first touchdown of the game was like a bomb to Blackman. Yeah. 
And they were 11, 11 and two that year. That finished, was the Eric Martin 10. game where he. You Ed mean Cun- the Ed Cunningham? Ed game? Cunningham lost his crap on him. Yeah. So there you go. I'd like to relive that. Okie State. Yeah. All right. Uh, I don't know where to go with the rest of this podcast. I think we're already recruiting. Well, we we got to get to recruiting. How? Well, put me on a timer. What do we got? Well, we're at forty-four minutes. So wow. Explore the studio There's people space that are already a bit. quitting. We haven't even gotten in some really good banter yet either. I thought that was banter. It's football related banter. Right. I mean, there's there's still BC's thing and no, everything else to go. No, that's I don't know. I'll figure. You're, you're, you fili- got, you're filibustering. You talk six, recruiting. You All right. Six minutes. So Nebraska could be potentially adding to their class here by the end of the month. Tony Fair, a junior college defensive tackle from Pima Community College, down in Tucson, Arizona, picked up an offer from Nebraska last week, and he's already got two finalists now. It's going to be Nebraska and Indiana. He has other teams reaching out to him, including Arizona State, Rutgers, some other schools from the Pac-12, and he's ready to make a decision now. And he says it's because he feels really good about choosing between these two programs in Nebraska and Indiana. He is originally from South Bend, and so it seems like it sets up that Indiana would be the school. But when I talked to him on Tuesday of this week, he basically was saying, that Nebraska has a spot that he he just feels like it'd be a really good fit to play that nose tackle position, that he thinks that they don't really have anybody else that, that can do that. I mean, Damian Daniels certainly seems like the nose tackle of the future, but if you get two guys roughly the same size at 6'3", 330, you can rotate them. They can both be pretty fresh. They're both pretty good with their hands. That could be a huge coup for Nebraska. So – uh, right now, I've got a crystal ball in. Brunts has a crystal ball in. Christofferson has a crystal ball in. We all like Nebraska's chances to get Tony Fair. Again, a decision expected before really the end of the week, unless he decides to push it back into the weekend. Uh, and that would give Nebraska their sixth commitment, second of the month, uh, joining Ramir Johnson, their second defensive lineman, joining Ethan Piper, it would be, uh, like I said, I, I think a pretty good addition and a spot that people probably wouldn't think of as a big thing of need. But when you're going to be losing Stoltenberg and Newell, they don't have and, – and I think DeAndre Thomas isn't going to go back to playing nose tackle in this defense. You, you only have Damian Daniels there on scholarship. I mean, it, it really kind of makes it necessary to maybe go get another junior college guy, and, and Tony Fair would fit that. That would break Nebraska's string of, what, 25 years of not being able to get a junior college offensive tackle? Is that accurate? Just imagining Toby Johnson. Right. Ben Bradley. You're just imagining that parade. LeVon Hooks. What other names do we got from? It's just like a sushi conveyor belt of defensive linemen just going around. And Kyle around. Pecco. Mm-hmm. Edwin Delva. Who else? Can you think of any ones that I'm forgetting here? I think you hit all the highlights. There's some more there, I'm sure. Uh, those, none of them really amounted to much. Pecco ended up with uh, Michigan State, right? Yeah, I think he, he, I he think made a practice a squad, I think. Denver, maybe? Anyways. Could be. But, yeah, uh, two for two guy, is that? He's got yeah. kind of an interesting so He's story. got kind of a roundabout way to get to Pima. Uh, previously spent time as part of Indiana State's program before leaving during a redshirt year. Now has spent a couple years at this community college and would be available in January. 
there had been some hope, I think, originally for him that he might be like a late addition guy to some rosters, but it's definitely going to be January. He told me that yesterday as well. So um, that is a guy to keep an eye on. And then other things, I mean, in terms of recruiting, Nebraska has been marching around the country looking at quarterbacks. They've got, I think, a board of seven realistic ones that they're working between. Um, so that's going to be something to, to keep an eye on, you know, how that shakes out. And some of those guys, I mean, Jaden Daniels, who Coach Verduzco just went and saw this week, he is someone that could be at the top of that board. I mean, he's the number two dual threat quarterback in the country is ranked by 24 seven sports composite. This is a guy that UCLA, USC, he's got all of the offers. And he doesn't seem to be in a big rush to make a decision. I mean, that was one of my takeaways from what his coach told me, is he may not make a decision until during the season, which would be really interesting because Nebraska hasn't really taken quarterback commitments that late, aside from maybe a second guy in a class. And I think Tommy Armstrong was a September guy, if I'm not mistaken. But otherwise, I mean, a lot of times you see those guys commit in June, maybe as late as July, because you want those quarterbacks early in the class. But with seven people and, and Nebraska seemingly liking all of them, they can maybe afford to wait a little bit and see how things shake out if there's one or two of those guys that seem to be taking longer and might be at the higher end of the board. With with both Nebraska, we talked about this a little bit off air, but with both Nebraska UCLA recruiting Jaden Daniels, who gets to plant the flag most on Marcus Mariota in, in the comparison? Uh, that's, you know, a tough a tough thing. I, I, as far as I know, Nebraska hasn't compared him to Marcus Mariota because that wasn't expressed to me and then conveyed in a beautifully written story, again, by me. But uh, I, that's, a, that's tough. I mean, you got the, you got the quarterback coach and the, the offensive coordinator in, in Scott Frost. You have Chip Kelly, who oversaw some of it but then left. Right. I mean, maybe it's Mark Helfrich. He gets to be the ultimate he, arbiter the, of this whole thing. He's the decider. He could be. That could be a hell of a TV show. <laughs> you just you, you get it on ESPN, and two coaches come in, and one coach gets to leave with, I get to use this player for recruiting, and you don't. That's fair. I, I feel like we need to mock up this show and send it to somebody. Who would you want for a celebrity judge? Uh... That's a good question. I don't know. Yeah, I'm trying to think of somebody like like Bobcat Goldwaith. Could he do it? <laughs> I did not see that. <laughs> I did not think that was uh, – wow. All right. BC, any thoughts on recruiting? No, not really. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what else has happened that I haven't mentioned? Anything Guys are arriving on campus. Is that, is yeah. that news? That's not really recruiting. That should have been under the team category. You guys failed. Okay. Um, I mean, we could talk about it. Nah, we don't need to. We can. Quick rundown. Yeah, Jerron Woodyard got here. That's big. Yes. He did his work in the spring, and uh, I think some people wondered about it. He had a 3.25 GPA, which he, as he should, is proud of, and um, worked out on his own pretty much twice a day. So he's a guy to watch. Uh, Miles Jones just showed up yesterday, and I know a lot of us think that he could play right away because they have a position specifically for him in the duck. And I've 
I've adopted a little concern that we've now over talked Miles Jones yeah, that's too much. True. Whereas before, it felt like you know this was a guy that would get lost in the shuffle, and now it's become He's Miles guy. Jones is going to be this freshman All-American yeah. at this Dakar position. Yeah. I think he's got a role. Uh, there's other guys, though, that can fit into that, so it's good that you kind of knock it down a little bit. I mean, Ty John Lindsay can do that role. Uh, there's there's some good wide receivers that could fit that. I'll be interested how they kind of divvy up his reps in the camp between running back and wide receiver. That, that's that's something to watch. Uh, Andre Hunt, who we had a story about today on our site, he graduates tomorrow and shows up May 30th. So they're making pretty good progress. Dominic Watts is in early June. Yeah. Casey Rogers on the 29th. Yeah, I mean, basically the ones, Reese Washington, as we hit on last podcast, you're going to have to wait on that one until probably the end of July, beginning of August. Willie Canty might be and a Willie Canty. Game. Uh, is also a concern. So, so, two guys really are up in the air is what we'd say. Yeah. There you go. All right. Well, um, I didn't mean to cut off your recruiting talk. Was there more that you wanted to hit on? I don't know if I had anything else to say. Okay. I don't know. We hit Satellite on. camps are coming up. That'll be interesting. We'll kind of maybe next week go into where Nebraska is going to be at and various areas of the country. We might even be able to recap, you know, what they've accomplished during – May and and all of that good stuff too. So and we're getting inching, inching closer to Friday Night Lights, which is going to be kind of interesting. And one thing that uh, Brian could discuss if he wants to, which we we kind of hit on last week in the the podcast, they could have a scenario where their Friday Night Lights they aren't able to kind of blow up in the way that they would like to with the legitimate lighting situation so it might be like friday afternoon lunch break or something i think it would still be friday night lights it's just that they wouldn't be in the stadium and that the fans wouldn't be there so it would basically just be so would there be lights though well there's lights in the hawks facility and there's lights in the practice field you're worried about it being deceptive aren't you a little bit it's just they're not going to be in memorial stadium gotcha yeah they're repairing the lights so I think they should, it's not like they're going to be running around with glow sticks. They could hold it in the cook for old time's sake. Be kind of fun. Like Go old school. Frost really likes that idea, though. And I like that because the last staff gets crapped on a lot now. That happens when it doesn't go your way. But he says that's an idea or something that they built up that he really likes and just wants to keep utilizing. And if they can use the fans, why wouldn't you? I mean, I think we would all say last year was a pretty cool deal when the, who was the five-star kid who's running routes, defensive lineman. Micah Parsons, you know, you're, he's getting his name chanted. The running back, who was the big running back. T.J. Pledger. T.J. Pledger. Yeah. Bookie was there. Yeah, none of them ended up in Nebraska, <laughs> but nonetheless, it was it was still worth our time on a June Friday night, and you could have been spending with your family, but it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> wow, didn't expect that bucket of water to be thrown all over, just splashing it. Yeah. Was, Would you like me to Colt give you some words from Notorious Big to send you on your way? Yes. Take them right. Okay, first off, the, the name of the song is. Why are you laughing? It's it's Flava in Your Ear remix by Craig Mack, 
but it features a notorious B.I.G. Rampage, LL Cool J, and Busta Rhymes. So that's pretty big, pretty big group. It's a Friday Night Light, Night Lights type cast there. Biggie says, "Take them rhymes back to the factory." I see the gimmicks, the whack lyrics, the crap is depressing. He didn't say crap. Pathetic. Please forget it. You're mad because my style you're admiring. Don't be mad. UPS is hiring. Which I don't know what's wrong with working at UPS, but it feels like Biggie was taking a shot there at UPS employed. Kind of, yeah. I mean, I have to go to UPS to get something notarized today, so I appreciate the the good folks there. When the UPS guys switch to the shorts, that's a pretty telling sign that spring is right around the corner. Do you think he meant USPS? I think it was a shot at the Postal Service. Could have been. Seems like he said UPS. I he probably had to see what USPS maybe didn't. Doesn't sound as good now. But I don't know. UPS seems like a weird one to go after. They're pretty reliable. Are you questioning the late Biggie? Kind of. Wondering if maybe his intent was wrong. We'll never know. We won't. We won't. But what you will know is that you can get all of your Nebraska information at nebraska.247sports.com. We're talking recruiting. Maybe that Tony Fair commitment story, if it happens. Maybe some follow-up on what it means for Nebraska, if it happens. Maybe a bunch more stuff from BC on some potential new arrivals, on some questions that have been answered this spring. Maybe Bruns will write something now that baseball season (laughs) is over. All of those things could be found at nebraska.247sports.com. And if you really want to get deep inside of everything at the website, you can sign up, get yourself a subscription. It'd be a great time to do it ahead of the satellite camps. We should have plenty of people in the network that are going to be around at these things, that are going to know about the kids, that can actually tell you who these players are, what they can do, instead of just throwing a bunch of names at you. You need more than just names. You need information. We got that. Nebraska.247sports.com. We'll be back to you back with you next week for another edition of the Nebraska 24-7 podcast.